Hey, let me add my word of welcome to you today. We're delighted that you're here. Listen, look at the crowd in here. Look at the people on the front row. Man, I can... I can see people in here. That's amazing, you know. Even in the darkness when they're right up front, you can see their eyes and their teeth. It's wonderful. I'm so, but I'm glad. If you're on the back row, I'm glad that you're here. I'm just glad to see all of you. And uh, glad to welcome those worshiping with us online. I hope you're having a good time, too. I hope it's just packed out wherever you are, if that's what you want. Maybe you want it to be, you know, kind of plenty of room. A lot of people like to be comfortable in church. That means they can lay down and take a nap, you know, somewhere because it's not too crazy crowded, right? But I'm glad you're here. Now, listen, I want you to pray for our daughter, Catherine. Our younger daughter, Catherine, is in Europe. Can you believe it? She, you know where she is today? She's in Paris. Yeah. She's in France. And I said to her the other night, first night she got there, I said, what are you going to have for dinner? French fries? Because that's just the way I think. I mean, if you're in France, French fries, right? That's just common sense. I don't. She hasn't responded to that part yet. But I'm seeing a lot of architecture. I'm seeing all kinds of things. She had a, a trip, and it's all paid for. And there's like six people, and it's a, all females, and they're having a great time. And it's a God thing. And so it's it's Paris, London, uh, then it's Dublin, and Edinburgh. And she'll be back on the 17th. And so she's having a blast over there, having a wonderful time and uh, showing us all kinds of amazing things. So we're, we're on the trip with her. We're just, we're exploring Europe vicariously along with her. It's been wonderful because we've been to parts of Europe, but we hadn't been to that part yet. So we want to go sometime, but we haven't been there. Now, listen, I'm so glad that you're here. We're starting a new series. People came up to me today and they said, welcome home. And I said, I was here last week. <laughs> Hello, I preached on the salt of the earth last week, and somebody actually liked my sermon. It wasn't my mother. Someone else spoke about it. And so there, so if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that one. People really liked it. And then today we're going to talk about uh, being quick to listen. Look at the person next to you and say, listen. listen. Tell them right now. Okay, good. Now, I got to confess to you today. Y'all are having a good time, aren't you? You're just kind of visiting with each other. I hate to wake you, but here we're going. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, I, Laura and I have a hard time listening to each other. It's not that we don't want to listen. It's that we just don't hear very well. In fact, recently I got a hearing aid, and we're thinking about investing in one for Laura as well. Because not too long ago, we were riding in the car together, and Laura said to me, what did you say? And I said, what did you think I said? And she said, I thought you said, carnage is freedom. <laughs> carnage is freedom? That doesn't sound like me, does it? I said, no. I said, I think the car just needs Freon. <laughs> You can't make that up. I'm just telling you, that really happened, okay? And so, because of that, we need to be quick to listen, and we need to be slow to speak. I took a course, nine-month course on listening several years ago. They had us read all these books, write reports. It was wonderful. I learned things in there I use every day from that course. What a blessing it was. And so, we want to look at that, being quick to listen and slow to 
to speak. Now, whenever you have a conflict or an argument or a difficult conversation, you may not realize it, but here's what can happen sometimes. Your hands just kind of close up like that. You get all tense, and that happens. And when that happens, what's really going on is that your heart and your mind and your ears are all just kind of closing up and shutting down too, and you're not really ready to listen. And so when there's a conflict, both parties want the same thing. Everybody wants to be heard and understood, right? That's what you want. And so I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak, and you want me to be quick to listen and slow to speak because we want to be heard and understood. And then I want to know that you heard me. You know, acknowledge what I've said that you heard me. Grunt. Uh Uh-huh, give me something to let me know that you've heard what I've said. Because in reality, I really can't hear you until I feel like you've heard me. And you can't hear me until you feel like you've been heard. So somebody's got to take the high road. Somebody's got to go first and say, okay, I'm going to be the listener. And James gives us this story about Jesus. Now, James was not that active in the story of Jesus early on. This is his brother, Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, because he thought Jesus would flip out because Jesus said, I am the son of God. And and James says, who does he think he is? We grew up in the same house. What are you talking about, the son of God? But later, when Jesus was resurrected, James says, okay, (laughs) I believe you. You really are the son of God. And he emerges, James does, as a leader in the church in Jerusalem. In fact, they refer to James as James the Just, J-U-S-T, because he was good. And and people would, would be able to respond to him. Now, James wrote a letter to the church, and he talks about listening and about learning and about waiting and about saying the right thing when we speak. Now, back in the first century, women didn't have any rights. They couldn't testify in court. They were considered property, and their fathers decided who they would marry, and it was all based on how it would help the father financially and politically. But James noticed something about Jesus, and that was that Jesus always elevated everybody's status and dignity. And so James opened up this letter of James 1.19, and he said, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, let's take that phrase, quick to listen. What does that mean? Let's talk about that. Well, that means to listen quickly. It's to make listening the first priority. To quickly, before you do anything else... Listen, okay? Which is exactly what we want other people to do for us. But have you ever gone somewhere and you were trying to tell somebody something and they just weren't listening? I've had it happen to me. I'm not bitter. I'm going to move on. But I, I just want to say sometimes it's hard to get people's attention, isn't it? I heard about a man who went to the doctor and he had a, a bad toenail. And the nurse took him in a cubicle and she said, Take off all your clothes. Put on a gown, and the doctor will be in to see you in just a minute. And the guy's fussing about it out loud in the cubicle. And he said, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I have to take off all my clothes just for him to look at my toenail? And the guy in the cubicle next to him said, that's nothing. 
I just came in to fix the phone. (laughs) See, somebody wasn't listening, were they? Now, you want other people to listen to you, and you want other people to, to be, you want to be understood, but you have to be quick to listen. James says, also be slow to speak. When it comes to your words, now listen, you need to write this down. This is good. Wait and be late. How about that? Just wait a minute. Back off. Listen. Wait and be late in your response to other people. And maybe I would add to that, be curious. Now, you know me. I'm the oldest of four. I'm a firstborn. I am very curious. Ask my wife. I asked my wife so many questions, she got me Alexa. She said, go ask her and leave me alone, okay? So when I, (laughs) the staff will tell you, I ask a lot of questions. I'm just curious, but that's the way you learn things, right? Now, here's what happens. When somebody's talking to you and you ask questions and you listen to them, what happens? They feel heard, right? And they feel like you're listening. And then you're able to converse with them and respond to what they say, right? So be quick to listen and slow to speak, he says. And the quicker we listen, the quicker we learn something else from someone else. Now, here's another thing. Just being right is not your goal all the time. You don't have to be right. Look at the person next to him. Point your finger and say, you don't always have to be right. Tell them that right now. I want every one of you to send me extra money this week because that was a blessing for you, wasn't it? You enjoyed that. Now, listen, if you're a parent or a husband or a wife or a boss, you know, you can write people right out the door. You can write people right out of a relationship. You can write your best employer or employee right out of the company. You can just be right, 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 and the relationship is no more. Because people want to be understood, and they don't want to be lectured to. They want to be heard. I heard about a little girl who went in to see her mother, and her mother was cooking dinner. And the little girl said, Mother, I have something to tell you, and it's very important. And the mother said, Okay, honey, what is it? And she started listening to her, but she kept cooking dinner. And the little girl said, Now, Mother, I have something very important to tell you, and I want you to listen. And the mother said, Honey, I am listening. Go ahead. Tell me what it is. But she kept cooking dinner. And finally, the little girl said, You're not listening with your eyes. (laughs) Right? So she wants you to acknowledge. She wants you to listen and look at her. Now, have you ever been talking to your children and their eyes just kind of glaze over? Or is it just me? Because, you know, you talk to them, and especially at certain times when they're growing up, I won't mention those times. But you know what Mark Twain said? He said, when your kids turn 13, put them in a barrel and feed them through that little hole in the barrel. He said, when they turn 16, plug the hole. That's what he said to do. I know, it's funny, isn't it? Okay, so here's the deal. You know, that, that, there's a lot of truth to that, but, but here's the point. You know, when they glaze over, maybe it's because you didn't listen to them long enough 
before you started responding to them and telling them what you thought they needed to hear. Have you ever said to yourself, I just don't understand. I, I was right. And I gave them good advice and I gave them wise counsel. Why didn't they listen? Because you didn't listen to them and develop the relationship better. James continues. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you are less likely to become angry. See, there's a benefit. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You can remember that and take advantage of it. And so we have to guard our anger up front, and we have to ask questions, and we have to be curious so that we'll have a good conversation. Now, we all express ourselves differently when we have anger. Some people just blow up quickly. Some just let loose like a volcano. Others just get in a bad mood, and they get inward, and they sulk and get moody. James is saying, look, neither one of those are good for the relationship. The way to bypass blowing up or becoming passive aggressive or becoming sulky and moody is to try and to try to control things is to understand where the other person is coming from. So be quick to listen and slow to speak. And anger is what he's talking about here. And he's talking about drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. Don't, don't come to the conclusion too quickly. Give them a chance to spell it out. So here's the formula. The longer you listen and learn, the less likely you are to become angry. And that's just common sense. Now listen, here's something that's true, but we don't always think about it, okay? Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. And then everything that everyone says makes sense to them. Well, they wouldn't have done it or said it, right? And you're sitting there thinking, I don't know why they thought that. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they said that. I don't understand why they believe that. Well, maybe it's because you haven't listened enough to learn where they're coming from. And as they explain it, then you begin to see it. The other option is that you just become critical of them. And everybody's saying, well, let's just do that. It's easier and more fun. Let's just be critical of other people that we don't understand, right? And that'll be simple enough. But that's not what he asked us to do. We have to look at why and what it is that they're saying. And maybe if we do that, we might join them. Now, you've heard of the book, The Seven Habits, Highly Effective Habits of People, right? Well, the fifth habit is this. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Let them go first, okay? Ask questions, listen to them, and, and understand them so you can be understood. And then he goes on, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's not what God wants us to do, and that's not going to be good for the person with us also. Now look, two people are talking, but there are three agendas. You ought to write this down. I'm telling you, it's a little nugget. It's good. There's my agenda. There's your agenda. And there's God's agenda. 
Which one's more important? Well, let me think about it for a minute. Duh. Okay? Because here's what's happening. If we're just so bent on putting our agenda out there, then we're not listening to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, and He's trying to tell us what He wants us to do. What we need to do is be sensitive there and listen to Him. Let's be honest. You want to be right at each other not right with each other. And that's a big difference. If you have an argument and you say, well, I won the argument. Oh, yeah, well, where is she? I don't know. She left, but I won. <laughs> so there, that's the important thing. But you see, you won the argument, but you lost the relationship, okay? And parents, you can write your kids right out the door. Because everybody says, well, God's on my side. No, he's on my side. And God says, no, I'm not. God says, I'm on my side. And I'm trying to get y'all on my side too. And God's going to take control of the situation if we'll just turn it over to him. Because that's what he wants. Because then we're right with him and we're right with each other. And Jesus calls us to fulfill the great commandment. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. Okay, And it's interesting that when you read the New Testament, Jesus did not come to earth to be right. If he came here to be right, he never would have been crucified, would he? He came to put you and me first. Jesus is not interested in being right. He's interested in reaching us because he wants us to reconcile with him and with God and with each other. That's what he wants, reconciliation. So he says, quit being right at each other and be right with each other. How do you do that? I've already told you. <laughs> be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then he says in the verse 21, therefore, get rid of all your moral filth. Now, what's he talking about there? When he says, get rid of that phrase, get rid of in Greek, what he's talking about there, that word that's used there in Greek, it's like taking off your jacket. It's like just taking it off, getting rid of it. And he's saying you're walking around with the I'm right jacket on. And you've got to take it off to be at peace with me and with other people. And you're not trying to prove something to somebody else. You're not trying to get your way. You're not trying to win the argument. You're not trying to be right. You've just got to take that thing off. That moral filth, that self-righteousness is something that, that says I'm always right. Right? Anybody here always right? I love this because here's what happens. Nobody ever raises their hand for that, but usually there's a spouse pointing to somebody else, you know, like, like don't let them see, but I'm going to tell you the truth right here, okay? So here's what I've learned. Laura and I, when we first got married, Laura made an observation. She said, you know, I've, I've noticed something when we have conversation. I said, what is it? She said, you are always right. And I said, well, yes, I am. Thanks for seeing things my way. Yes, Con congratulating me. I appreciate that. I think we can make it now as a couple. 
And she said, no, no, no. She said, you need to realize that you're not always right. And that was a new concept for me. I never, that, never even considered that could be a possibility. And so one day she was actually right about something. And she said, see there, see there, see there, I was right. And she said, just say it. Just say, you were right and I was wrong. And I said, okay, well, I was right and you were wrong. That's what she really said to me, say, I was right and you were wrong. And I said it back, no, that's not what I meant, she said. She got so upset with me. So then I learned something. Now, here's what I learned over these years of marriage. I've learned that she's always right. And now everything's fine. If I just go in that direction, we don't have any problems anymore, right? And James says, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to be reconciled with God, and you've got to be reconciled with each other, okay? And there's something else that you have to put on. When you take off the jacket of I'm always right, you have to put on the jacket of humility. Humility puts the other person first, right? And he says, and the evil that is so prevalent in the scripture. Now, the word evil there, we could use malice as the word for evil there because malice is a word we don't use as much anymore, but it means it's a desire to harm someone. Malice is a desire to get even. I want to get back at that person. I want to pay somebody back for what they did to me. And then he says this, and humbly accept the word implanted in you. So now you're getting rid of the evil. You're getting rid of of the uh, malice. And what you're doing is you're accepting the word of God planted in you. Take off the I'm always right jacket. Put on the jacket of humility. And then we are more important than me, right? You are more important than me, okay? Being right with you is more important to me than getting my way. And that is humility. And so you've already embraced that as a Jesus follower. And he says, you know what? Jesus put him, put you in front of him. He made you the priority, He put you ahead of himself, and now he's asking you to do the same thing that he did. How do you do that? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then he says this in Scripture, which can save you. Now, he's not talking about eternal life there. He's talking about which can save you right now which can save your marriage, which can save your job and your relationship, which can save your son and daughter and the way you get along with them. It can save you from regretful words. It can save you from having to apologize again, from acting out in anger. And maybe it can save you from even divorce or prison. So accept the word of God that's planted in you. Doing the word that's planted in you makes a difference. So let's put the whole thing back together now and see if we can wrap it up, okay? So here's what James, the brother of Jesus, who was martyred in the year 63 because he believed that his brother was certainly the Lord, the Son of God. So here's what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word 
planted in you which can save you. Now, does that kind of jump out at you now more since we've gone, you know, phrase by phrase and make a little more sense to you? Because that's really what he's asking us to do, and that's what we can do with his help. Let's pray. Lord, help us to put into practice what you teach us. Help us to try to do it every day with your strength and help. And when we fail, Lord, thank you for picking us up and helping us to try again. We pray in your son's name. Amen.